Hello, and welcome to the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. I'm your reader, Bill Petrosky. And local news headlines, tip sought after vehicle found unoccupied in Grant County Creek. Dateline Bagley, Wisconsin. Authorities seek information about a crash this weekend in Grant County. Deputies responded at about 10 a.m. Saturday to a report of an unoccupied vehicle in a creek bed near Grant County P, about a mile north of Grant County A in the Bagley area, according to the Grant County Sheriff's Department. A press release states that the vehicle apparently traveled down a steep embankment before coming to rest in the creek. Anyone with information about this crash is asked to contact the Sheriff's Department at 608-723-2157. Voters approved Southwestern Western School District's $1.2 million purchase of adjacent land. Story by Kaylee Reese at thmedia.com. Dateline Hazel Green, Wisconsin. A majority of people in a packed gymnasium Monday night voted in favor of Southwestern Wisconsin School District spending $1.2 million in $9 million to purchase 92 acres in anticipation of future growth. School district officials held a meeting of the electors to vote on the purchase of the land, which is adjacent to the middle school high school building. The district already had submitted an offer for the purchase to close by April 15th, dependent on voter approval. A simple majority was needed to approve the purchase, and 89 people voted in favor, or 59%. That compared to 63 people who voted against it, or 41%. It's never easy when it comes to taxpayers' dollars, but this is an opportunity for something that can benefit us in 10, 15 years from now, said Superintendent John Costello following the meeting. This gives us the opportunity, the possibility to expand. We're not landlocked. At the end of the day, I have a job to do, and it's to look for the, at the needs for the district long term. District officials plan to retain about 22 acres directly west of the high school and sell the remaining 70 acres. Costello told meeting attendees that buying a smaller portion of land would result in a higher cost per acre, so officials instead decided to purchase the entire plot. I asked the seller to section off a portion of 15 to 20 acres, and they said they would be happy to section it off for $35,000 an acre as opposed to $14,000, he said. I didn't believe that was the best use of taxpayers' dollars when we, when we could get it for $14,000. The district plans to borrow funds for the total $1.29 million purchase and pay off a majority of that with funds from the sale of the 70 acres. Costello said a baker buyer for the additional acreage is already lined up, and additional people are interested if the initial sale is not finalized. Costello stressed that the purchase of the land would not affect the taxes of those living within the school district, a focus of many of the questions at the meeting. There are no immediate plans for the 22 acres, although the land would allow for future growth at the district. Costello said that potential uses for the space could be a site for a new elementary school, an expansion of the district's agricultural program, additional parking, or school bus storage. Carolyn Hoyt, who voted in favor of land purchase, said the measure supports Southwestern's future students. If we want this district to grow, this had to pass tonight, she said. I don't know what land we could go to in the future, especially at this price. Kevin Kelvin Gebhardt said he came to the meeting 200% against the land purchase. We just got a new school and a new athletic field, he said. We don't need this now. It's time the city and the school gives something back to the taxpayers. Clayton County Fair to allow alcohol at major events. 
Dateline National Iowa. Clayton County Fair organizers are adding alcohol sales to this fair's major events this year. The fairgrounds in National will include a fenced-in beer tent within the grandstand area, according to an online announcement. Entry into the beer tent will require a wristband band provided after age verification. Beer tickets will be available for purchase within the beer tent. Alcohol will not be allowed outside of the grandstands area during entertainment. Carry-ins will not be allowed. Monthly meetings on economic development planned in Maquoketa, Dateline Maquoketa, Iowa. Jackson County Economic Alliance Innovate 120, an entrepreneurship hub and co-working space in Maquoketa, plan to hold a monthly gathering focused on business development and creation. The series of meetings, Wednesdays are possible, will be held from 4 to 5.30 p.m. on the first Wednesday of each month, beginning Wednesday, March 1 at various sites, according to a press release. The first meeting will be held at Maquoketa Brewing, 110 South Main Street, Suite A, and will include a conversation between brewery founder and Maquoketa native Mark Lyon and Innovate 120 founder and executive director Robert Abbott. The series is funded by the Community Foundation of Jackson County. Dyersville Library to host Dementia Prevention Series. Dateline Dyersville, Iowa. Dyersville Public Library will hold a 10-week program designed to help older adults preserve their memory and cognitive skills. Unlocking Brain Fitness, Keys to Dementia Prevention will be held from 1 to 3 p.m. Tuesdays from March 7th through March 9th. I'm sorry, from March 7th through May 9th at James Kennedy Public Library, 321st Avenue Southeast. The program is designed for adults ages 55 and older who do not have a diagnosis of dementia or significant cognitive decline. Registration is $20 per participant, but may be refunded to those who attend at least nine of those sessions upon request. Call the library at 563-875-8912 for more information. Luminary Walk to be held in Maquoketa, Dateline Maquoketa, Iowa. Jackson County Conservation officials will hold a free Luminary Walk this week at a Maquoketa natural area. The event will take place from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Friday, March 3rd, at Prairie Creek Recreation Area 1215 East Summit Street, according to a press release. Hundreds of candles will illuminate a one-mile loop trail beginning at Prairie Creek Pavilion, where park staff will provide a campfire and hot cocoa for participants to enjoy before or after their self-guided walk. The walk is free, although donations to the park are appreciated. It is open to all ages, no registration required. For more information, contact Jackson County Conservation at 563-652-3783. Iowa Senate Committee Advances Further Unemployment Benefit Changes. Story by Benjamin Fisher. An Iowa Senate Committee on Monday advanced a bill that would reduce the, the amount paid to unemployment beneficiaries with larger-than-average families and allow job search requirements to be waived for seasonal employees. The bill would make numerous changes to the unemployment process in the state. One change would replace a law that bases weekly unemployment benefits on a beneficiary's number of dependents with a formula creating three dependent payments for all beneficiaries. Another element would allow Iowa Workforce Development to waive requirements 
that employees who regularly are laid off from work due to the seasonal nature of their jobs demonstrate participation in job searches. The Senate study bill is the second major unemployment reform in as many years from the legislature. Opponents argued at the Senate Workforce Committee meeting that components of the bill added, quote, insult to injury after a law change last year cut the amount of time that people can collect unemployment benefits after losing a job for more than six months down to four months and prohibited them from turning down a job offer while collecting unemployment. Supporters say the bill streamlines the unemployment process within Iowa workforce development. Iowa Senator Adrian Dickey R. Packwood said the change in weekly payments to beneficiaries with dependents came at the request of Iowa workforce development officials. They reported that it was difficult to determine how many dependents people actually had, he told the committee. Democrats on the committee said the change would mean beneficiaries with three dependents or more would receive less in unemployment because of the change. Iowa Senator Pam Yoakum D. Dubuque questioned how Iowa Workforce Development was unable to determine a beneficiary's dependence if the Iowa Department of Revenue is able to do so come tax season. This is saying people are going to be punished for the more children they have if they are laid off or if their employer closes down, she said. The current bill includes two changes to job search requirements that were part of last year's unemployment reform. The first proposed change would require that the unemployed complete four to six work searches per week to keep their benefits with the total based on the number of job openings reported in the area. Currently, the requirement is four searches per week. Democrats said this would make applying for the benefits, which workers pay into from their paychecks, even more difficult. The bill also includes a generally supported provision allowing Iowa workforce development to waive job search requirements for workers in construction or other weather-related allowed trades when they are unable to work. Walmart here said this change came from requests by constituents across the state after last year's reform, which did not include an exemption from job search requirements for seasonal workers. Iowa Senator Chris Cornoyer R. LeClaire said she received those requests. I've heard from construction companies that they know they are going to be out certain times and so should not be included in the job search requirements, she said. And I have a bus driver who knows she's going to be off for two weeks over the holidays when schools are out. She was like, I can't go through all those searches when I know I'm going to be back, going back to work. Yoakum acknowledged the seasonal waiver would be a good move as long as Iowa workforce development could keep up with the waiver workload. She guessed this is the first fallout. The legislature will hear from last year's law change. A lot of people weren't paying attention last year, even though the press were covering it and their unions were telling them about it, she said. Then seasonal workers found themselves laid off and faced with all this extra trouble. Iowa Senator Carrie Kilker R. Dyersville said she was not yet familiar with the bill as it had gone through none of her committee so far this session. She also said she heard no feedback from its constituents about the legislature's unemployment law change last year. Iowa Senator William Dossler, D. Waterloo, a career employee for John Deere, voiced concern that the bill did not include similar waiver op- options for manufacturing companies who also have regular layoff periods. Iowa Workforce Development began working on a county-level data about impacts of the 2022 unemployment law change when the Telegraph-Herald asked for those figures Monday but did not have the information prepared by deadline. The Senate study bill is now eligible for debate on the Senate floor. BizBuzz, juice bar coming to new debut commercial property. Co-working space opening in Elizabeth. Dyersville restaurant to expand offerings. Story by 
Kaylee Reese at thmedia.com. BizBuzz shares business tidbits from across the tri-state area. This edition highlights developments in Dubuque and Dyersville, Iowa, as well as Elizabeth, Illinois. A new juice bar is coming to a newly constructed commercial building in Dubuque this spring. Nectar Juice Bar, that's spelled N-E-K-T-E-R, will open in a suite within the new building at 3415 Stoneman Road near Kennedy Mall. Owner Nikki Mulligan said the juice bar will go into the 1,800-square-foot suite closest to the Green State Credit Union and is expected to open in May. The idea between Nectar is that the idea of helping our community really just embrace and optimize their overall health and wellness, Mulligan said. We have a fresh, natural menu. It's about feeding our bodies essential vitamins and nutrients that we need, and we're bringing something that people have a hard time finding in Dubuque. The Stoneman Road building has been in the works since last year. It can hold up to six tenants. The 11,000-square-hundred-foot structure is being developed by Switch Development, which is owned by Mike Matt Mulligan, President and Chief Operating Officer of Common Construction Company. Matt Mulligan and Nikki Mulligan are married. A call to Matt Mulligan about the other tenant space was not returned, but Nectar is the first business officially to be confirmed in this space. A building permit for work on the juice bar was filed in January. Nikki Mulligan and Nick said Nectar's menu will consist of juices, smoothies, and acai bowls, all of which are made fresh to order. Customers also will be able to order items from the Nectar app, and grab-and-go options will be available. It's kind of a limited menu, but it's about providing the cleanest options we can, she said. She said the store will also offer both indoor and outdoor seating, and she plans to hire at least 10 people to work at the juice bar. The local Nectar Juice Bar will join more than 180 locations of the chain that have opened so far. Mulligan said she is excited about the juice bar, both sharing a location with future tenants of the building and being located by Kennedy Mall, which she noted is adding more stores. Mall officials announced last week that Home Goods will open in the mall within the next year. We're excited for the location, she said. I love the great visibility off John F. Kennedy Road as well. More information on Dubuque's Nectar Juice Bar, including the future opening date and hours, will be shared at a later date at NectarJuiceBar.com. Co-working space coming to Elizabeth. A new co-working space will soon open in downtown Elizabeth. Elizabeth Business Hub will be located at 131 North Main Street, the former Dejawood studio space across the street from Lola's Deli. Brian Engel, a local architect who owns BE Creative Studio, is coordinating efforts to start the business hub. We're excited about getting this thing going, Engel said. We're going full speed ahead. I think there's a lot of excitement around it. Once it opens, I think people will understand the benefits of it and want to utilize the space. Engel said the idea for the hub came after a few area business leaders toured other area co-working spaces and connected with Rural Ideas Network a nonprofit that assists with growth in rural communities. We're always looking for ways to drive business in Elizabeth, and we thought this way would make sense, especially with the way today's business climate is and the ability to work from home, Engel said. We work from home people, but there are times when they may need a conference room or a professional environment. A number of area businesses and organizations are partners back in the project. Individuals who wish to use the hub can rent out a desk space or meeting room as needed. Engel said work on the space is underway in hopes of opening this June. It's flexible space, he said. Everybody involved shares the values of wanting to bring business to town and drive business to downtown. More information on Elizabeth Business Hub, including updates on opening day, can be found at elizabethbusinesshub.com.
Dyersville Restaurant to Expand Offerings A Dyersville restaurant has expanded its offerings one year after opening. Fuse, 224 2nd Avenue Northeast started serving customers on March 12th. Owner Tara, Tara Rahe said the plan to combine three concepts, sports bar, fine dining, and wine lounge, has been rolling out in phases. After opening up and getting our feet wet, we wanted to make sure we created the best atmosphere and best quality for our customers, she said. I keep calling it baby steps. We want to get it right in the first atmosphere and then add in the next one. The bar for the sports section of the establishment opened in March, with the kitchen opening two months later to serve items such as sandwiches and burgers. As one part of the one-year anniversary, Rahi said, the main dining room will open to the public for the first time, though the space has hosted private events in the past. The dining room will open in the second half of March, after the restaurant's anniversary celebration in March on March 3rd and Dyersville St. Patrick's Day events on March 11th. The area initially will open, be open only on weekends, but gradually will expand into weeknight hours. We're starting to roll out menu items in March for that, Rahi said. Those items are more dinner-focused items like steaks and grilled chicken dinners. We're starting off with two steaks and lemon pepper chicken. Rahi added that new menu items will be introduced each month with plans to switch out some items seasonally. She added that all of the steak and beef come from local farmers to ensure the best quality. The wine lounge will open later as part of the phase three of Hughes, Rahi said, although an exact opening date has not yet been set. This past year has been exciting and fun, she said. Some of the things I've enjoyed the most are seeing people enjoy the space I've created. This has consumed my life for the past few years, so it's exciting to sit back and watch people have fun. Fuse opens at 4 p.m. Monday through Friday and, and at 11 a.m. Saturday and Sunday. The kitchen closes at 9 p.m. daily. This restaurant can be found at 563-513-0051 and found online at FuseDyersville.com and Facebook.com slash FuseDyersville. Here's a look at some crime and court news. Claim filed against City of Dubuque for officer involved crash. A woman recently submitted a claim against City of Dubuque for a collision when a police vehicle ran a red light late last year. Laura Knabel of Dubuque seeks $7,500 in damages from the city as well as payment of medical bills related to the crash. City officials confirmed that the claim is under review by the Iowa Community's, Community's Assurance Pool, which provides property and casualty insurance coverage for Iowa cities. The crash occurred at 7.42 a.m. December 23rd at the intersection of Fremont Avenue and Dodge Avenue off-street off-ramp. The crash report states that then-Dubuque police officer Levante Cobb was eastbound on the ramp in a police vehicle while Knable was traveling south on Fremont. Traffic camera footage obtained by the Telegraph Herald shows that the roads were covered in snow at the time of the crash. Knable had a green light that turned to yellow just before she entered the intersection and can be seen attempting to brake as Cobb's police SUV enters the intersection. The squad car did not have its lights on at the time. The front right corner of Knable's vehicle hit the driver's side door of the squad car. Video shows a squad car going off into a snowbank off the side of the road and knocking down a one-way sign, and Knable's vehicle rolled to a stop at the intersection. Cobb was taken by ambulance to Mercy One Dubuque Medical Center for treatment of minor injuries, according to the crash report. 
The report also lists both vehicles as total with an estimated $10,000 worth of damage each. The crash also caused $500 in damage to the street sign. Cobb was cited with failure to respond to a steady red signal on January 1, according to online court records. He has pleaded not guilty and a court hearing is set for Wednesday, March 1. Dubuque Police Department Lieutenant Brendan Walsh Welsh confirmed that Cobb left the Depart Police Department in January said, but said his departure was not related to the crash. Knabel declined to comment for this story. However, her claim provides more details on the incident. Both officers who responded to the crash verbalized that Officer Cobb ran the red light based on the review of traffic camera footage, the claim states. Knabel went to Unity Point Health Finley Hospital later that morning for treatment, according to the claim. She suffered chest and shoulder pain from seat bag, belt and airbags, and her right hip was also sore and bruised following the incident. The claim states that Knabel's insurance carrier fully covered the loss for a vehicle, but was seeking recovery from, of the loss from the city of Dubuque. The claim also sought damages for the, quote, inconvenience of finding a new vehicle and Knabel's anxiety of, while driving following the crash. Walsh said he could not discuss any action taken internally to address the crash, but did confirm Cobb was found to have run a red light. Quote, any time an officer is involved in a traffic crash, it is our policy to have a supervisor investigate the crash and investigate it as if it were any other citizen in the crash, he said. If it were determined that an officer committed a traffic violation, it would be issued a citation, which is what happened in this case. Local Law Enforcement Reports The Dubuque Police and Dubuque County Sheriff's Departments reported Matthew W. Adams, 25, no permanent address, was arrested at 12.59 a.m. Monday in the area of White and East 15th Street, Dean Streets, on a warrant charging failure to comply with the sex offender registry. Jason J. Wipert, 40 of 2413 Jackson Street, was arrested at 12.51 a.m. Monday at his residence on a charge of possession of methamphetamine with intent to deliver. Denise E. Fry, 56 of Crown Point, Indiana, was arrested at 5.50 p.m. Sunday in the 1300 block of John F. Kennedy Road on the charge of assault. Stacy M. Carroll, 17352 Gardner's Lane, was arrested at 1.33 p.m. Sunday in the 4200 block of Dodge Street on warrants charging second-degree criminal mischief and fifth-degree theft. Daryl R. Month, Jr., 34, no permanent address, was arrested at 9.23 a.m. Sunday in the area of West 1st and Main Streets on a charge of domestic assault. Brandon S. Schuler, 31 of 1533 Central Avenue, number 6, was arrested at 8.57 p.m. Saturday in the area of East 10th Street and Central Avenue on charges of possession of cocaine and public intoxication. The theft of a smartphone worth $1,000 was reported at 6.33 a.m. Monday in 1600 block of Main Street. The theft of a drone worth $1,500 was reported at 8.33 a.m. Sunday in the 3100 block of Dodge Street. The theft of a vehicle worth $1,000 and items worth within six within worth $600 was reported at about 4 p.m. Saturday in the 1600 block of Main Street. A burglary to a vehicle resulting in the theft of items worth $565 was reported at 2.02 p.m. Saturday in the 6700 block of Old Massey Road. Ace Construction, 
1212 Miller Road reported a forgery case resulting in a loss of $6,641 at 9.16 a.m. Friday. The theft of a smartphone worth $800 was reported at 5.48 p.m. Friday in the 2500 block of Jackson Street. Dubuque ban sentenced to probation after cocaine found in the system of a one-year-old. A Dubuque man recently was sentenced to two years of probation after cocaine was detected in the system of his one-year-old. Dennis C. Thibadu, 33, was sentenced in Iowa District Court of Dubuque County after pleading guilty to a charge of child endangerment. As part of his probation, Thibadu must continue with substance abuse treatment and comply with the Iowa Department of Human Services, according to the sentencing order from Associate Judge Robert Richter. Authorities say drunk driver hurt in crash in Joe Davis County. Dateline, Elizabeth, Illinois. Authorities said a drunk driver was injured Saturday when his vehicle left the roadway, crashing into trees and the deck of a residence in rural Elizabeth. Connor Altensey, 24, of Savannah, was taken by ambulance to Midwest Medical Center in Galena for treatment of non-life-threatening injury, according to a press release Monday from the Joe Davis County Sheriff's Department. The crash occurred at about 2.30 a.m. Saturday at South Pleasant Hill Road, West north of West Rush Roosh Road. The release stated that Alton C. was driving south when he lost control of the vehicle and left the roadway. The vehicle struck multiple trees and a deck of residence where it came to rest. Alton C. was charged with driving under the influence of alcohol and cited with failure to reduce speed to avoid a crash. Building permits issued in Dubuque County. Building permits issued in Dubuque County in January with valid values of at least $50,000. Dubuque South Point Single Family Houses, Dubuque South Point, LLC, 1458, Cedar Trail Drive, $700,000. Stores and Customer Services Plaza, 20 Incorporated, 2600 Dodge Street, $500,000. Construct a new commercial building for Subway Restaurant. Residential Additions, Alterations, and Conversions. Matthew T. and Catherine N. Mulligan, 1167 Hunters Ridge, $70,000. Construction of a garage addition and interior reservation of an existing home. Non-residential additions, alterations, and conversions. Collins Credit Community Credit Union, 255 John F. Kennedy Road, 129765, $129,765. Install new sprinkler system, St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church, 1276 White Street, 160,000. Renovation of second floor for temporary living quarters for men and women. 3415 Stoneman, LLC. 3415 Stoneman Road, $150,000. Tenant build out for Unit 6 Nectar of Dubuque. Popular comedian moms coming to Dubuque. A popular comedy duo will take the stage this summer in Dubuque. The I Moms So Hard team of Kristen Hensley and Joe. Jen Smedley will perform at 7 p.m. July 14th at the Five Flags Center, the venue announced Monday. The Los Angeles-based duo initially launched a web series that gained 2 million followers. Their videos have received nearly 300 million views worldwide in five years. The comedians have written a New York Times best-selling autobiography and a children's book and host a comedy podcast. A Warner Brothers television project is in development. Ticket prices start at $39 and are available beginning at 10 a.m. Friday, March 3rd at http colon slash slash bit dot ly slash 3x vcaxa. 
Fire destroys shed contents near Schulzburg. One firefighter treated Schulzburg, Wisconsin. Authorities said fire destroyed a shed and its contents Sunday in rural Schulzburg. Firefighters responded at about 4.45 p.m. to 6660 Lafayette County E, according to Schulzburg Fire Chief Jason Ubersox. The shed contained vehicles and equipment. The structure was fully engulfed when we arrived, and the shed and its contents were a total loss, Ubersox said. Once we arrived on the scene, our focus shifted to protecting adjacent buildings. Ubersox noted that, quote, one firefighter was treated on the scene for exhaustion by a Schulzburg EMS. He said the monetary damage of the fire had not been determined. The cause is unknown at this time, but it is not suspicious, Ubersox said. More than likely, it was electrical in nature. Mutual aid was provided by the Benton, Darlington, and, and Gratiot Fire Departments. Hazel Green Natives continues Cat in the Hat series with fourth book. Dateline, Hazel Green, Wisconsin. Hazel Green, a native, Alastair Heim has released a children's book based on the Dr. Seuss's iconic The Cat in the Hat. I Am the Cat in the Hat is Heim's fourth book based on the Seuss's mischievous creation. The first book, If I Had Your Vote, was published in 2016. If I Ran Your School and If I Were St. Nick followed. Heim who now lives in Kansas City, Missouri, also has authored nine other children's books in addition to the Cat and the Hat series. When he's not writing, he can often be found visiting schools where he presents interactive story time sessions and other topics to inspire learnings. To order any of Heim's books or for more information, visit www.alisterheim.com. You are listening to the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, February 28th, 2023 on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Now let's turn to today's obituaries. Patricia F. Furuseth. Patricia Pat Francis Latem Furuseth, 93, of Dubuque, died February 24th, 2023 at Stonehill Care Center. Visitation will be from 4 to p.m. to 8 p.m. Wednesday, March 1st, 2023, 2023, at Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road, where wake service will be held at 3.45 p.m. Massive Christian burial will be held at 10 a.m. on Thursday, March 2nd, 2023, at St. Anthony Catholic Church, with Father Steve Rosonke officiating. Burial will be in Mount Olivet Cemetery. Pat was born March 14, 1929, in Cascade, Iowa, the daughter of Jacob and Catherine McGrath Latham. She graduated in 1947 from Immaculate Conception Academy. On November 30, 1963, she married Leslie Furuseth at Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Dubuque. Prior to having children, Pat worked at the Northwestern Bell Telephone Company for 18 years. She was also an election poll worker for 33 years. Pat was a member of St. Anthony's Catholic Church, where she served on the Social and Human Concerns Committee. She had been a member of Dubuque Area Christians United, Dubuque County Right to Life, Dubuque Land Irish, and the Theresians. Additionally, Pat served on the Dubuque County Eminent Domain Commission for eight years. Pat was a wonderful wife, mom, grandmother, and friend. She was known for her hospitality almost always almost always offering 
everyone who came to her home something to eat and drink. She had a caring heart, generously spending her time visiting care facilities, transporting people who were unable to drive and bringing a friend to all. She's survived by three children, Anne, Andy Simcox of Dubuque, Sarah Tim Houck of Norwalk, Iowa, and John Forseth of Key West, Iowa. Eight grandchildren, five great-grandchildren, a sister, sister-in-law, many nieces and nephews. She's seated in death by her husband, Leslie, her parents, parents-in-law, and brothers and sisters and other relatives. The family would like to thank Home Instead Senior Care, Stonehill Care Center, and Hospice of Dubuque for all their help, support, and compassionate care of mom. Paul A. Wedig, Belmont, Wisconsin. Paul A. Wedig, 64, of rural Belmont, Wisconsin, died on Saturday, February 25, 2023, at his home of natural causes. Massive Christian burial will be at 11 a.m. Thursday, March 2, 2023, at St. Philomena Catholic Cemetery, Belmont. Father Michael Terragopola will officiate. Burial will be at Resurrection Cemetery, Belmont. Visitation will be from 4 to 7 p.m. Wednesday, March 1, 2023, at the Melby Funeral Home and Crematory, Platteville, and will continue on Thursday from 10 a.m. until 10.45 a.m. at the church. Online condolences may be made at www.melbyfh.com. Paul was born on March 7, 1958, in Cuba City, Wisconsin, the son of Wallace and Sylvia Kyler Weddick. He was united in marriage to Jane Tranel on August 14, 1999, at Holy Ghost Catholic Church, Dickeyville. Paul was a lifelong farmer in Belmont Township, Lafayette County, he graduated from Belmont High School, class of 76, and received his bachelor's in agricultural business from UW Platteville. He was a member of St. Philomena Catholic Church, Belmont. He enjoyed following his two children in their activities, sports, and reading. He survived by his wife, Jane, two children, Brianna and Brady, brother, Pat, three sisters, Mary Therese, Jane, Sue, and brothers-in-law, Bev, Bev Wedig, uh, Karen, Steve Lotion, Deb, Terry Kirk, Carrie Updike, and other relatives. He was preceded in death by his parents, brothers, John and Gerard, father and mother-in-law, Raphael Ray and Germaine Trenell, and nephew, Daniel Barrett. Doris D. Trader, Elizabeth, Illinois. Doris Deneen Trader, age 99, of Elizabeth, Illinois, passed away February 24, 2023, at home, surrounded by a family, including the, floor, including the four-legged members. A visitation will take place from 6 to 8 p.m. Friday, March 3rd, at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Elizabeth. A funeral mass will be held at the church on Saturday, March 4th, at 10 a.m. There will be a visitation from 9 a.m. to 9.50 a.m. prior to the mass. Burial will follow at St. Mary's Catholic Cemetery. Family and friends are invited to share in Doris's life at lawjonesfuneralhome.com. Doris was born October 3, 1923, in Riley, Wisconsin, the daughter of John and May Weber, Donine, the 11th of 12 children. She graduated from Mount Horeb, Wisconsin High School. On September 11, 1941, she married Menard Trader. They celebrated 39 years of marriage until Menard's passing. She worked as a dental assistant for 40 years. After retirement, she worked at the Elizabeth Pharmacy and Video Store. Over the years, she was a member of the Lioness Club and the Lucky 13 Investment Club. Next to her family, her greatest loves were Irish heritage, train travel, pandas, and, and tobog tobogganing. 
She was even able to take a toboggan ride earlier this winter. She will be missed by her two daughters, Marlene Trader of Columbia, South Carolina, and Wendy Steve Meyer of Elizabeth, son Menard, Beth Trader of Mesa, Arizona, one grandchild. Four step-grandchildren, one great-grandchild, and other relatives. She was preceded in death by her parents, husbands, seven sisters, four brothers, three stepdaughters, step-grandchildren, and nieces and nephews. The family would like to thank Dr. Koenigs and her staff, and also the hospice of Dubuque, especially Jessica and Stephanie, for the compassion and care they showed our mother. Memorials may be made to Safe Haven Humane Society of Elizabeth and Hospice of Dubuque. James J. Schumann, Dateline, Earlville, Iowa. James J. Schumann, 57, of Earlville and formerly of Dyersville, passed away Friday, February 24, 2023, at home. Visitation will be from 2 to 6 p.m. Sunday, March 5, 2023, at Kramer Funeral Home in Dyersville, where prayers rosary will be recited at 1.30 p.m. Visitation will continue from 9 to 10 a.m. Monday at the funeral home prior to funeral services. A Mass of Christian Burial will commence at 10.30 a.m. Monday, March 6, 2023, at St. Francis Xavier Basilica in Dyersville. Reverend Chris Pajaski will officiate. Burial will be at St. Francis Cemetery. James was born April 14, 1965, the son of Elmer and Julianne Bergfield Schumann. He graduated from Western Dubuque High School in the class, with the class of 1983 and served in the Army from 1983 to 1987, primarily serving at Fort Hood, Texas. He has been a lifelong over-the-road truck driver, surviving are his parents, Elmer and Julianne of Dyersville, siblings Carol, friend Dave Fortman, Walters, and Billy Sally Schumann, both of Garber, Ricky Margie Schumann, and Mary Joel Luffelholtz, both of Dyersville, nieces and nephews and other relatives. Online condolences may be left for the family at www.kramerfuneral.com or send cards to the family in care of Kramer Funeral Home, 750 12th Avenue Southwest, Dyersville, Iowa, 52040. Harlan L. Thurn, Jr., St. Olaf, Iowa. Harlan G. L. Thurn, Jr., 85, of St. Olaf, died on Thursday, February 23, 2023. Visitation will be from 4 to 7 p.m. Thursday, March 2nd, and from 10 to 11 a.m. Friday, March 3rd at Norway Lutheran Church in St. Olaf, where services will follow. Interment will be in Norway Lutheran Cemetery. Leonard Grau Funeral Home and Cremation Service of El Cater is assisting the family. Mary Ward, Wacon, Iowa. Mary Ward, 83, of Wacon, died Saturday, February 25th, 2023. Visitation will be held from 4 to 8 p.m. Tuesday, February 28th, with a scripture service at 3.30 p.m. at Martin Grau Funeral Home in Wauwakon. Services will take place at 10.30 a.m. Wednesday, March 1, at St. Patrick Catholic Church in Wauwakon. Burial will be at St. Mary's Hanover Cemetery in Wauwakon. Carl R. Noel. Carl Andy R. Noel, 93 of debut, passed away on Wednesday. February 22nd at Unity Point, Finley Hospital, Dubuque, after recent illness. He had been a resident of Stonehill Nursing Home since 2019. In keeping with his wishes, a short visitation will be held from 8.45 to 9.45 a.m. Mondays, February 27th, March 2023, at Holy Ghost Catholic Church. A massive Christian burial will immediately follow at 10 a.m. with Father Steve Garner officiating. A live stream of the funeral may be viewed at www.eaglehoffsegrets.com. 
Casper.com burial will be in Mount Calvary Cemetery, where full military honors will be accorded. Carl was born on August 27, 1929, the son of Ralph and Bernice Evander Mellon Noel. In 1951, he married the love of his life, Kathleen Palmer Noel. They were married for almost 72 years. Carl worked for the Dubuque County Road Department, serving with both the road and survey crews with 42 years of service. He enjoyed serving the residents of Dubuque County, driving snowplows during the winter. He attended St. Raphael Cathedral School and Loris Academy. He served in the U.S. Army at Ladd Air Force Base in Fairbanks, Alaska, during the Korean War from 1951 to 1953. Carl will be remembered for his love of camping, reading, swimming, especially at O'Leary's Lake of the Mississippi River, and listening to big band music by the fireplace with, of course, a beer. He loved listening to the Indy 500 every year under the big maple tree. Of course, his true passion was tuning up lawnmowers and cars. He is survived by his wife of nearly 72 years, Kathleen Noel, brother Wayne Noel of Dubuque, children, grandchildren, and other relatives. He was preceded in death by his parents, his oldest son, Bruce Noel, and numerous brothers and sisters-in-law. The family would like to thank the staff at Stonehill Nursing Home in Dubuque for their compassionate care since 2019. The family would also like to thank the doctors, nurses, staff, and hospice of Unity Point Health Finley Hospital for their compassionate care. In lieu of flowers, the family asks for any donation to be given to the Holy Ghost Catholic Church in his name. The Eaglehoff Siegert and Casper Funeral Home and Crematory is entrusted with arrangement. Gary L. Geisman, Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin. Gary L. Geisman, 73, of Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin, formerly of Bellevue, passed away peacefully on February 13, 2023, at Azura Memory Care, Fox Point, Wisconsin. A private family service and interment will be held at St. John's Lutheran Church in St. Donatus, Iowa. Gary is born in Webster City, Iowa, to Mary Nahunke and Virgil Geisman in June 30, 1949. He graduated from Bellevue High School in 1967. He married his high school sweetheart, Faye Heim, on August 22, 1970. Survivors include his wife, Faye, of 52 years. His son, Jordan, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, son, Evan, his brother, Timothy, brother, Todd, all of Bellevue, Iowa. He is survived by Faye's sibling, Bonnie Long of Guthrie, Oklahoma, David Heim of Marion, and Darcy Kenmauer of Manitou Springs, Colorado, aunts Verena Daggettstein and Adela Geisman, and numerous nieces and nephews and extended relatives. He was preceded in death by his parents, Mary and Virgil Geisman, Faye's parents, Cornella and Omerheim, and brother-in-law Glenheim. In lieu of flowers, donations may be made in Gary's memory to Jewish Home and Care Center Foundation designated to the Adult Day Services Fund. Memorials and condolences may be mailed to the Hocker Meyer Funeral Home, 100 North 6th Street, Bellevue, Iowa, 52031, care of Gary Geisman family. Online condolences may be expressed to the family at www.hockmanfuneralhome.com. Virginia Kinsella, Cincinnati, Wisconsin, sister Virginia Kinsella, O.P., died February 14th. 2023 at St. Dominic Villa, Cincinnati, Wisconsin. Funeral services will be February 28th at 6.30 p.m. and March 1 at 10.30 a.m. at Cincinnati. Miller Funeral Home is handling arrangements. Virginia was born June 3, 1939 to Nathan and Margaret O'Hara, Kinsella in Chicago. She has one brother, Nathan. She is survived by nephews and her Dominican sisters. 
After a profession as a Cincinnatian, Dominican Sister of Virginia spent more than 30 years in elementary education in the following Washington, D.C., Maryland, Illinois, and Wisconsin. She was a private person, curious about the world, and went about her service in a caring, committed way. After further education and pastoral care, Sister Virginia served as chaplain, family caregiver, and in support services in Cincinnati. She was courageous in her later years in accepting constant pain and loss. Virginia, rest in peace, rise in joy. God says, come. Eugene F. Smith. It is with great sadness that we announce the passing of Eugene F. Smith, 94 of Dubuque, Iowa, on January 10, 2023. He lived a long, happy life and was well loved by his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, scores of nieces and nephews, and lifelong friends. He was born March 27, 1928, to Alphonse and Clara Clower Schmidt of Dubuque, Iowa. He attended Loris Academy and went on to study at Loris College and the University of Iowa. After graduating from Loris with a degree in biology, he started a 56-year career in insurance and financial planning. He met his wife, Marjorie Neenstadt, in Dubuque, Iowa, and they were married on December 29, 1951. They were happily married for 66 years. Jean and Marjorie had eight children. In 2005, Jean retired, spent his time traveling with wife Marjorie to visit his children, seeing the world. They enjoyed many trips to Australia, Hawaii, and Europe. One memorable trip that he often spoke of was a trip to Germany with his son Eugene to see the Berlin Wall come down. Jean was predeceased by his wife, Marjorie, son Eugene, granddaughter Jacqueline Maxwell, brothers Ralph, Al Cannon, sister Naomi, Ball Drummond. He is survived by seven of his children, eleven grandchildren, five grandchildren, and sister Ginny Mond Blaine. A private celebration of Jean's life and the love of his family for him is planned for April 29, 2023. In the lieu of flowers, family requests that people can send condolence cards and notes to Mary Schmidt Greenwood, 2659 Vista Ornata, Newport Beach, California, 92660. Beverly Wenzel. Beverly Wenzel, 84 of Dubuque, died Thursday, February 23, 2023, at the University of Iowa, the University of Wisconsin hospitals and clinics in Madison. The funeral service for Beverly will be at 11.30 a.m. Wednesday, March 1, 2023, at Hoffman Schneider and Kitchen Funeral Home and Cremation Service with Deacon Mike Ellis officiating. Visitation will be from 9 a.m. until 11.15 a.m. prior to the service on Wednesday. Burial will be in Linwood Cemetery in Dubuque. Beverly was born September 16, 1938, in Dubuque, Iowa, the daughter of John K. Tittle, Sr., and Sarah Jane Brandis Tittle. She worked as a dental assistant for Dr. Kent Jacqueline for several years. She later worked as a private duty nurse at Mount Carmel in Dubuque. She enjoyed music and loved to dance. When her brother's Richard's band was playing an event, she rarely missed. She was a very good cook and absolutely loved sweets. Beverly was always prideful in her appearance. Above all, she was a caregiver to all and loved her family. Survivors include her children. Richard Leroy Wenzel of Dubuque and Julian F. Tammy Wenzel II of Dubuque, grandchildren and two siblings, Diane Bush of Dubuque and Richard Leroy Tina Tittle, Sr. of Dubuque. She was preceded in death by her parents, siblings, Darlene Tittle, Mary Earl Sr. Davis, and John Tittle. The family would like to extend a special thank you to the nurses and staff at Finley Hospital, ICU. Hoffman Schneider and Kitchen Funeral Home and Crematory is in charge of arrangements. A photo can be viewed, a photo tribute can be viewed, and condolences sent to the family by visiting Beverly's obituary at www.hskfhcares.com. 
Larry W. Bradley, Sr. Larry Leo Bradley, Sr., 81, of Dubuque, Iowa, passed away February 21, 2023, at home. Visitation will be from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Tuesday, February 28, 2023, at Leonard Funeral Home at Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road. A funeral service will be held at 1 p.m. with Pastor Mike Jones officiating. Larry was born May 7, 1941, in Lancaster, Wisconsin. The son of Leo and Ivanel Scott Bradley, he married Connie Churchill on October 15, 1960, in Lancaster, Wisconsin. She preceded him in death on August 30, 2017. He graduated from Lancaster High School, and he belonged to the chess club. He worked as a lineman for Interstate Power and later Alliant Energy from the 1960s until his retirement. He was an avid fisherman and deer hunter. He enjoyed doing woodworking and leatherworking. He and Connie enjoyed country, country line dancing, and Larry was an excellent dancer. His biggest joy in life was going to their camper in northern Wisconsin. They were each other's fishing buddies. He survived by his children, Larry, Heidi, Bradley, Holly, Kevin, Schulbrock, Schulbrock, Ronnie Bradley, and Gary Bradley. Larry was a proud grandfather with grandchildren and great-grandchildren and one great-grandchild. He also had siblings. He was preceded in death by his parents, his wife and his sister, wife Connie, and his sister Doreen. Family wishes to thank St. Croix Hospice, Stonehill Health Center, Dr. Mark Moore, and his staff for their wonderful care and kindness they gave to Larry. In Little Flowers, a Larry Bradley Memorial Fund will be established. Dan Ragon, Sun Valley, Arizona. Dan Ragon, 74, of Sun Valley, formerly Tennyson, Wisconsin, died on February on Tuesday, February 21, 2023. Services will be held at a later date in debut. Linda J. Johns. Linda J. John, 63, of Dubuque, died Saturday, February 18, 2023. Visitation will be from 9.45 to 10.45 a.m. Saturday, March 4th, at the Eaglehoff, Secret and Casper Funeral and Crematory, 2659 Kennedy Road, followed by memorial service at 11 a.m. Linda was born March 5th, 1959, in Dubuque, the daughter of Merle and Wanda Patrum Sevcic. She graduated from Dubuque Senior High School in 1977. After graduation, she worked as an executive assistant for a local trucking company. In early adulthood, Linda suffered from a subdural hematoma. Against all odds, she survived, and with the help of her living, loving parents, she worked for many years through the Joe Davis County Workshop and ARC. Linda's determination granted her the bonus years to watch her sons grow up, see them marry, and spend priceless time with their grandchildren. She was fun, outgoing, quick-witted, and earned the respect of others everywhere she went. She was known for a strong-willed personality, which kept everyone on their toes. And the sun was her favorite place to be. She is survived by two sons, Michael, Robin, Johns, and their children, Parker and Emery of Dubuque, and sister A.J. Jillian Johns of Leewood, Kansas, a sister, Beverly Joe Fokers of Des Moines, and a niece, Carol, Carl Carey Lindgren. She was preceded in death by her parents. Family would like to extend their gratitude and appreciation for countless caregivers, Throughout Linda's life, online condolences may be left for the family at EagleCroftSecretCasper.com. Donations made in lieu of flowers will be used to honor area residential care of Dubuque and sisters of the presentation of Dubuque, who were supporters of Linda throughout her life. Colleen Terry, Savannah, Illinois. Colleen Terry, 67, of Savannah, died on Saturday, February 25, 2023. Visitation will be held from 3 to 6 p.m. Saturday, March 4th at the Loft Jones Funeral Home in Savannah, where a celebration of life will...
Margaret M. Fox, East Dubuque, Illinois. Margaret M. Fox, 73, of East Dubuque, died Saturday, February 25, 2023. Private services will be held. Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road, is assisting the family. Edward J. Heiderscheid, Piazza, Iowa. Edward J. Heiderscheid, 83, of Piazza, died on Sunday, February 26, 2023. Arrangements are pending. Wright Funeral Home of Piazza is assisting the family. Harlan L. Thurn, Jr., St. Olaf, Iowa. Harlan L. Thurn, 85, Jr., 85, of St. Olaf, died on Thursday, February 23, 2023. Visitation will be held from 4 to 7 p.m. Thursday, March 2nd, and from 10 to 11 a.m. Friday, March 3rd, at Norway Lutheran Church in St. Olaf, where services will follow. Interment will be in the Norway Lutheran Cemetery. Leonard Grau Funeral Home and Cremation Service of Elkater is assisting family. Here are some funeral services. Marilyn L. Bird, Scottsdale, Arizona, visitation, 2 to 4 p.m., Saturday, March 4th. Eager Hohoff, Siegert and Casper Funeral Home and Crematory, 2659 John F. Kennedy Road, service 4 p.m., Saturday, at the funeral home. Leonard Larry L. Bradley, Sr., Dubuque, visitation, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. today, Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road, service 1 p.m. today at the funeral home. Alan D. Carper, Dyersville, Iowa. Celebration of Life, 2 to 6 p.m. Sunday, March 5th, Siebert Memorial Hall, Manchester, Iowa. Arliss J. Case, Lancaster, Wisconsin. Visitation, 4 to 7 p.m. today. And from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. Wednesday, March 1. Martin Schwartz Funeral Home, Lancaster. Service, 10.30 a.m. Wednesday at the funeral home. Glenda L. Denler, Elkater, Iowa. Visitation, 10 to 11 a.m. today. First Congregational Church, Elkater, service, 11 a.m. today at the church. Read at M. Glasgow, Galena, Illinois. Visitation, 4 to 7 p.m. today with the Paris Rosary Service at 3.30 p.m. For Long Funeral Chapel, Galena, and from 10.30 to 11 a.m. Wednesday, March 1. St. Michael's Catholic Church, Galena. Service, 11 a.m. Wednesday at the church. Linda J. Johns, Dubuque. Visitation, 9.45 to 10.45 a.m. Saturday, March 4th, Eagle Hoff Siegert and Casper Funeral Home and Crematory, 2659 John F. Kennedy Road, service 11 a.m. Saturday at the funeral home. Virginia Consola, Cincinnati, Wisconsin, service 6.30 p.m. today and 10.30 a.m. Wednesday, March 1, Cincinnati, Mound. William Kreiman, Dubuque. Visitation, 4 to 7 p.m. Wednesday, March 1, with a remembrance and prayer service at 6.30 p.m. Eaglehoff, Siegert, and Casper Funeral Home, 2659. John F. Kennedy Road, service 11 a.m. Thursday, March 2nd, Holy Ghost Catholic Church. Gregory L. Scrimmon, Dubuque, visitation 1 to 3 p.m. today. Bear Funeral Home, 1491 Main Street, service 3 p.m. today at the funeral home. Beverly Wenzel, Dubuque, Visitation 9 to 11.15 a.m. Wednesday, March 1, Hoffman Schneider and Kitchen, Funeral Home and Cremation Service, 3860 Asbury Road. Service 11.30 a.m. Wednesday at the Funeral Home. And that does it for today's reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. I'm your reader, Bill Petrosky. You can access a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.com. Dot org anytime. Thank you for listening. <laughs>